Ben, how are you? I'm good. I, we, <laughs> there was a pregnant pause while we decided who was going to talk first there. I, yeah, you always start. I figured it was my turn. Well, uh, one, I don't think that's true. But two, honestly, this whole week I've been entirely out of whack. Uh, it's not, it's not, I'm not even in the States, but Memorial Day has still completely thrown me off. Oh, really? Well, I mean, because I, I, I want to keep, you know, I assume the majority of my readers are in the States, so I want to keep my publishing schedule attuned to there. Um, but then like my whole week set off and I'm a creature of habit and now I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just a mess. All right. Well, you're going to have to pull it together because people are listening and they are expecting a lot. Well, we are recording a, a day later than usual. So see, we're, um, yeah. Okay. That's you all. put me off too. <laughs> so, uh, it's actually, I think, um, uh, it's been a really interesting uh, – there's been three stories, I think, in the last week that have been really interesting. I think they all have a connection. I think the person who actually drew that connection the best was Matthew Ingram over at um, GigaOm. And, he's great. Yeah, is it, he is great. And is it Giga? It's GigaOm. Um, I should know that. Uh, it is Ohm, isn't it? It's I Om, think so. Uh, uh, I'm sure he won't mind. <laughs> I've I've met Om. I should I should probably know. Om Malik, yeah. Hi Om, if you're listening. Sorry if we've mispronounced your name. Yeah. So anyhow, um, so the three the three topics are. I wrote about one of them, but I think it's more interesting to consider all three of them together. Um, number one is uh, Amazon and its dispute with the publishers. Uh, mm. So broadly speaking, Am- there's something going on between Amazon and Hachette, and also Barnier in in Germany. Um, mm. From most indications, uh, Amazon is looking for concessions on the ebook side, and they are, uh, you know, having a lower than usual stock of printed books, and uh, you know, forgetting to set up pre-orders uh, <laughs> on, on their like side. They're playing dirty. Yeah. Uh, so that's one, um, and it's interesting. It's been really interesting, actually. I think because in general, I think Amazon's been getting the worst of the PR, uh, and that hasn't always been the case. Um, hmm. So that's number one. Number two is Google versus MetaFilter, uh, in which uh, MetaFilter has weighed off several staff members. Has what pointed. happened? So basically, uh, um, a couple—I want to say it was like a couple years ago—MetaFilter uh, had a very stark drop in traffic, and they have no idea why. Uh, they started getting a lot, many fewer Google referrals, and uh, and because of that, they're. And they're primarily they're primarily ad supported. They do have a membership program, but primarily ad supported through Google Ads, and they don't know why the traffic dropped. And now they're having to lay off people. And and you know we can get the specifics of it of it in a little yeah. a little bit. But the thing with what makes it interesting for MetaFilter is they're not like they were never the purpose of MetaFilter was never to kind of game Google's rankings, right? They they were around before Google, and the the people they're laying off are moderators who are taking the time to make sure all the content is high quality. And so they don't seem a natural target for, you know, Google's algorithm changes, unlike, you know, things like eHow or, or some of the demand media sites and things yeah. along those lines. Yeah. Um, but number three is Facebook, uh, Facebook versus the media, uh, in which a uh, <laughs> what Facebook's director of product, Mike Hudak, who actually I think is on the advertising side, not on the actual timeline side, but wrote a, wrote a rant about, uh, you know, how terrible the media is, to, <laughs> which uh, most in the media took uh, great exception to basically saying that Facebook was at fault um, because Facebook drives a ton of traffic and the sort of, the sort of posts that do well on Facebook are wisticles and fluff and, and things like that. 
So I, maybe it's interesting to start on that one there because I think what's interesting in all these is um, at a very basic level, like who's at fault uh, mm. and at a higher level, like, um, you know, what what can be done? What should be done? Can anything be done um, in these in these situations? Do you know what's funny about this? This is reminding me of one of our earlier conversations about net neutrality. This is like... This is like the white ash of net neutrality. This is uh, instead of the people who own the pipes um, trying to shape traffic, this is almost like the tech firms who are normally playing victim turning things around a little bit and going after the old world now that they're in a position of power. Interesting. So, well, I, I think the defense, what, 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 well, let's start with Facebook. What Facebook would say is, um, or, or what, they ought to say is, you know, we're, it, we're giving people what they want. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's interesting. And this is, this is an interesting balance, right? Uh, the, the balance between uh, people are clicking on it because Facebook put it there or, um, you know, Facebook puts it there because they think people are going to click on it. And, I mean, this has been the age-old thing in, in media. And I had the... Um, I had the good fortune to go and meet some of the folks at Medium and they were talking about the reasons why they decided to get into, for, for those listeners who don't know, Medium is like a new online publishing platform that I am a huge fan of. They talked about how they felt that news media and media in general is becoming too listical, too sensationalist, too rah, 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 too focused on now and they wanted to do something different that was a bit more considered, a lot more considered actually, um, uh, engaging people much more deeply, both as um, public, uh, both as writers and as readers. And what's really interesting to me is that I feel like they've they've done a pretty good job. So I don't know. Yeah, yes, maybe people do click on those things, but it's also a function of the fact that they're put up there. I could have sworn though that Facebook was talking about um, changing its ranking algorithm to. Um, prioritize more heavy hitting news and less of the i'm gonna i'm gonna pick on buzzfeed sorry buzzfeed but like less of the buzzfeed type posts yeah well that i mean it's that, that's exactly right facebook has made noise about that and um and it's interesting because actually my kind of response to facebook making noise about that has been to um to me it's been to criticize facebook in, in that facebook you know has this not knowing who they are, what 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 purpose they serve, um, you know. I feel like I feel like Facebook has, um, you know, this. They're kind of like uh, a Google in a way. Um, they have this very kind of view of themselves as as these, you know, making. You know, it's really like the, the whole we've talked about making the world a better place, sort of thing. And like we're connecting people and and. You know, it's a very idealized view of what they of what they are and what they do. And part yeah. of that is, I think they has, oh, we're gonna put more hard news in it, blah blah blah. And to me, I've been like, Facebook, that's like that's not that's not what you do. What you do is right. is you give people a platform to very easily put themselves out there. And <laughs> the reality is, uh, what people put out there is. Things like whistles, just like you know, yeah. the, the the most read parts of the newspaper previously were things like the funny section, right? It wasn't right. the front page of the international news. 
Yeah, I mean, and maybe this is them going. This is their attempt to go up market. I mean, there's a there's a there's a difference between what people have been using it for and what I use it for, and where they want to take the platform. And my my the job to be done in in Clay's language for me is to keep in touch with people. I get I I don't know I, Ben of all these guys, Facebook honestly creeps me out the most having heard a little bit about things like shadow profiles, um, graph search. And it kind of scares me that A, they have so much information about us and B, that for so many people, they're determining what gets put in front of them. So would you feel better if they were, you know, using that power to to put forward like, you know, important news stories and what people ought to know? Like, should they be giving us yeah. our medicine? I think I would feel better if if um, some of these companies provided a bit more transparency. So I understand that um, the secret source for like it, with a company like Google being tr- entirely transparent about the way it ranks pages, it's not necessarily possible because it's only going to lead people to game the pages. But uh, why doesn't Facebook say, uh, are you here to like see the articles people post? Are you here to get photos from your friends? Are you here to get status updates? So on. This is our default mix. Um, why don't you, why don't you change things up? Um, well, are well, you more interested? Well, the problem is, that, well, no, the problem with that is, sorry, I totally interrupted you. I apologize. But no, uh, no, no, no worries. The, the people, what people, this is a long known problem in any sort of like survey sort of situation. What people say mm. and what people do is, is often very different. Well, and, at least be transparent about it. Well, well, at least be transparent and provide the option. And, and there'll be a default option because it's Facebook. There's always a default option and it'll probably be mo- the most privacy permissive, well, you know what I mean, like the most, it will give them the ability to do whatever they want the most. But if people want to opt out or change things, then give folks the option to do that. Well, but the the, the truth is, I mean, you are getting what you want. I mean, Facebook is constantly tuning what you see based on what you like, based on what you click on. So, I mean, if you were to consistently click on, um, again, as far as I know, I don't have any insight of the Facebook, Facebook algorithm, but as I understand, if you were to keep clicking on "quote unquote" hard news in your timeline, you would see more and more hard news. The problem is people keep clicking on junk food, and so Facebook gives them more junk food. And like, it, whose problem is that? I mean, you can argue like it, it, it's kind of rich to to say that uh, Facebook Facebook's mistake is giving people exactly what they want. Like, is that Facebook's responsibility? Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's probably, I mean, I, I like throwing a, around a word like responsibility is pretty heavy. Um, but that's but that, that's but, what you're kind of saying, though. Yeah, I mean, they're getting to the point now where they're in front of, uh, is it billions of eyeballs? I, I yeah, mean, uh, one point yeah. two billion, I think. I mean, at that at that when you're in front of that many people, maybe words like responsibility do start cropping up. Um, I, I, look, at, at, at the very least, I think transparency is a reasonable request. Like, okay, this is the way, like, yeah, have, have the algorithm that, that like tunes based on what it is that you're clicking and what it is that you're not. But then tell people, okay, you seem to be focusing on this kind of content. We're going to give you more of it. And most people will probably never go to the tab. But at the very, I mean, this is like putting <laughs> the, 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 the analogy that's coming to mind is, is the, is, is food, right? Like you, you, I, I'm not necessarily convinced that 
food companies have a responsibility to make sure people diet appropriately, but at least give them the information around what it is that they're consuming so that they can make an informed choice. Right now, what comes up on that on that wall, like in your newsfeed, I'm like, I have no idea how they, I mean, I'm sure they're doing something smart, but I have no idea what balance it is. And I certainly don't feel like I have any control over it. Well, that, I don't know. It kind of feels like you want Facebook to do this so that you will feel better about Facebook as opposed to like, what, what is the just, like, what is the business justification for them doing it? Should they do it just because it's the quote unquote right thing to do is, is the right thing to do something that businesses ought to consider? That's a good question. I mean, I think the right thing to do is something that businesses should always consider. Absolutely. Um, I think as you get bigger, the the responsibility to take that into account certainly gets greater. But at the very least, if they don't want to find themselves on the sharp end of um, the kind of criticism that that uh, led us to talk about them right now. Um, I think that they should start considering the right thing to do. I mean, and if they don't, then, and as they have in the past, they're going to continue to get criticized. And maybe maybe that's fine. Maybe they're okay with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, any it, big company is going to get criticized, right? I mean, like, I, I, I find it actually rather rich to hear the journalists criticizing Facebook um, because if, if you think about it, the jur- journalism has long done exactly what you're saying mm, they ought yeah, to do. Yeah, totally. Like, I talked about how previously people would always read the you know the style section and the comic section and the dear mm-hmm. abby and the horoscope right that's why people bought newspapers but how did newspapers present themselves they presented right. themselves and, with yeah. the with the front page with the world news the weighty stuff the editorial and you know on, on the back page and and in in a lot of ways it's like they they gave a view of if you were to just walk down the street and look at the newsstands, your view of the general consumer would be quite positive because you're saying, wow, look at all these weighty big newspapers with all these important headlines, important things going on. And the reality was actually quite different. And I'm not sure that Facebook's really doing anything except for making it obvious what we've been doing all along. And and along those lines, and so you say they should do it because it's the right thing to do. Well, the journalists kind of kind of pushed forward this ongoing myth that we care about important things. And what happened was when the internet came along and these new channels came along, these new distribution channels, uh, they got taken to lunch, right? The, pro- the, the One of the biggest problems for something like the New York Times is in the New York Times Innovation Report is they have so much more traffic going to individual articles than they do going to the front page. Mm-hmm. And is that part of that is definitely a function of of just the way the internet works, it breaks things down to atomic units. But part of it is that right. the front page just isn't what most people care about. Right. I mean, so to 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 disaggregate between the journalists, so you brought up the journalists criticizing Facebook well, it, for doing this, but no, 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 no. And I think it's reasonable, but I would say this, at least historically, um, uh, it was impossible for a newspaper to customize uh, the offering based on your personal preferences. And I think that's one of the things that's very different with Facebook. I think it is possible and they already are customizing what they're showing you, whereas a newspaper had to be the same newspaper for everybody. Right, but, but that's, determined- not the case. that's not the case anymore, right? Did the journalists criticizing Facebook work for institutions that 20 years into the internet still have the same front page for everybody? Right, and you also just pointed out that nobody's going there anymore. Well, that's my point. Like, it, I just find it awfully rich 
to criticize Facebook, if that the criticism criticism for Facebook is coming from people who have basically failed from a business perspective? Well, they they yeah. Well, I I don't think because they've failed from a business perspective, it doesn't give them the right to criticize Facebook. Well, it, but, I, but it's certainly rich that they're telling Facebook to do what they've yeah, done. Yeah, sure. Yeah, mm, I'm not necessarily sure they're even telling Facebook to do what they've done. I think the observation I would make is that. Um, then at least with the newspapers now, I can go a la carte. I do get to choose what I read. I like the the way that articles are, I'm getting to articles in newspapers is based on my personal preferences, whether that's a curated Twitter feed or or something else. Whereas Facebook's not giving you that choice. So I think on some on some levels, the journalists do have a a, a, a moral basis to criticize Facebook. Well, I, I think the big takeaway here is that. Um, it, you know, one of the th- I, 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 I should put a disclaimer because I say something like this in every podcast. But like one of the mm-hmm. big things that I focus on strategy from the beginning is that it's people over index on the product. Like the product is it's important to have a good product, but it's necessary but insufficient. Like all the other stuff matters. The channel matters. The marketing matters. Totally. All that sort of stuff. It's the same thing when it comes for all sorts of journalism. Like it's not just the quality of the writing and the content that matters, the distribution matters just as much. And the reality is when it comes to the internet era, the distribution channel for like newspapers have completely abdicated distribution. They've just thrown stuff up there and you're right. You now get to newspapers through Twitter or through Facebook. And if you think about it, um, like the New York Times likes to say, oh, we are our, our name and our editors matter and we we make sure that what is up there is true and it's you know all the news worth worth printing or whatever or the phrase is <laughs> but the problem is is like what's what's let's grant them that that's true let's say all things being equal i would be more efficient if i had the new york times choosing what i read and and saying this is important you ought to read it the the problem is is They've packaged that in a one-size-fits-all container as if they were printing a daily newspaper, when the reality is they they absolutely, from a technical perspective, could give me a customized NewYorkTimes.com front page, and, and they don't. And they've abdicated the distribution mechanism, and, and Facebook and Twitter have stepped in to take that over, and that's why Facebook and Twitter – well, Twitter not so much, but Facebook especially are, are reaping all the profits that right. the newspapers – I mean, and you'll get, you'll get, well, so I don't think the journalists were making the argument that like we're criticizing Facebook because these profits are ours. But I I, I would say that I, I mean, broadly, I agree with you. And if it was easy, I mean, this is, this is the hard thing about surviving disruption. I mean, these guys have a paradigm, I mean, tech, technologically, they are capable of creating a customized New York Times front page. The hard thing isn't, and the hard thing about disruption isn't adopting the technology. It's adopting and uh, adapting the business model and the culture. And this is an organization that, for what I don't know, a hundred years, however many, however many years, has done things. This, yeah, right. It's done things a certain way, and it has been incredibly successful at doing it that way. And something comes along and changes it, and. Um, I r- readers who haven't um, read well listeners who haven't read your article on the disruption of the news industry that I have to say that was I think one of the best pieces you've written it was 
phenomenal. Um, and there, there'll be a link at, at the end of the podcast should go read it. But like the reason that disruption happens is because that's hard. Um, yeah, they could do it, but it's hard. It's, it's so, it's so incredibly difficult to change a culture and to change a business model. And that's why, I mean, I'm impressed that the New York times has got as far as it has to be honest. No, I, I, I do too. I, I think, I mean, I think they've, they're, they're way ahead of everyone. What's really actually interesting and disappointing, we're, we're way off topic now a bit, but that's fine, uh, is, is, and this just occurred to me, is the problem, what's disappointing about sites like Vox or, or 538 or Grantland or a lot of these new media ventures, like I, mm. I've articulated before that um, I, I've been pretty critical of the models because I feel like they're just recreating the newspaper. And now it's kind of like crystallized in my mind what the what the specific problem is. The problem is when I go to Vox.com, it's the same Vox.com that you're getting and everyone else is getting. Mm, when I go totally. to 538, like, so they're, like, I understand, like, so I, I've long been, so I've been an advocate of, uh, I think, authors and journalists, uh, there have to be a lot more single-person sites. Um mm. But if you are going to go with a group of writers' sites, like, I, I, if you still have to make it feel like someone is going there and it's, it's for them, right? Like, if I go to, you know, if I go to whenever you, you, you get a blog and, you know, abandon HBR. Well, no, it's interesting. Like, if I go to <laughs> you, you write for you write for the HBR blog, right? Right. Um, I, I would probably go to the HBR blog directly more often if it knew that I was most interested in tech and things like disruption. And I I would go there and I would quickly see the articles that pertain to what I'm interested in. But it's not like that. It just has all the articles presented the same way to everybody. Right. So and, so a and, way around that. So if I, 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 no, just to be clear, I don't do any customization for readers. But then again, like I'm a single author site, <laughs> right? So you know what you're getting when you come to me. Like, I don't know what I'm getting when I go to Vox. I don't know I'm going to go to 538. And it's interesting to see that even these new ventures, in my opinion, um, they're just re- – I've said this on another podcast, but they're just recreating the newspaper and, and kind of still not taking advantage of, of what yeah, they so, offered. So th- I feel like this is a very nice segue into talking about um, – into talking about one of the other uh, companies that you <laughs> mentioned in the introduction and that's listed in um, Ingram's article, and that is Amazon. And the reason I think it's a nice segue is because in your article this week, um, Publishers Deal with the Devil, um, I think there's a quote by George Packer that basically explains why so many of these publishers aren't doing what you're describing. And George Packer is, um, he has this... <laughs> And he's got this anti-Amazon article called Cheap Words. And again, we'll list this as part of the podcast, but I want to read you this quote. It's amazing. He's talking about, it's someone in, uh, who is who is actually making the quote? Um, uh, it, well, it, it's, it's, it's a former Amazon VP, I think. Uh, uh, I'm finding it right now. Anyway, yeah. So Amazon executives considered publishing people anti Anti-Diluvian losers with rotary phones and inventory systems designed in 1968 and warehouses full of crap. Publishers kept no data on customers, making their bets on books a matter of instinct rather than metrics. They were full of inefficiencies, starting with overpriced Manhattan offices. And if you want to know, on <laughs> to a greater or lesser extent, I think George Packer, well, whoever made that 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 quote, whoever whoever expressed that sentiment, I think 
to, to a greater or lesser extent is right. And that's why you go to some of these some of these sites and they are not they are born out of old world thinking. And to to Facebook's credit, I mean the new world thinking is at least that they're starting to customize it based on what you click on and who your friends are. Because a lot of these old sites, they could be if they put their minds to it, but they're not. And that sentiment is the reason why. I think anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, just to just to move to the publishers, it's actually it, it's a it is a useful segue because I think it 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 provide it, it presents the problem very starkly, right? The problem with the publishers is one, it's a, it's super inefficient, um, and it was built in a world where you know there was lots of excess. There's lots of excess money based on basically based on the model they used, but a, a lot of that money was derived again from distribution. It, it mm. derived from you know uh, just the way the the economics worked. You had to actually print the books. You had to have ink for them to ship them out there, and it, and they were able to create an expectation that new books would cost like thirty dollars or whatever, and the paperback would cost fifteen, and mm. uh, and that actually meant a lot of excess cash that. That let them not be not be efficient. Well, I mean, the internet, if anything, like demands demands efficiency. It strips out all all the the digital channel, completely changes it. And in response, and there's two responses, right? You can adapt, but the problem is for the publishers to adapt means dramatically slimming down, means I mean, completely overhauling yeah. how they make money. And no one wants to do that. Let's be honest. Like it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, company A ought to disrupt, you know, respond well, to disruption I, like this. But who who wants to who wants to give nobody. up their nice offices I mean, and fire half their oh, friends? Gosh, nobody does. And I think it's interesting. It's there's almost you can almost tell whether an organization is going to be successful in doing this in terms of the mentality they take. If they if they take the existing um, if they take their existing model, they take their existing org structure, their existing business model, their existing way of doing things, and they try and pair it back, they are almost certainly never going to make it. Well, when, are, no, no, I, I love it. It's exactly right, right? Because the way newspapers went from a newspaper, a daily package newspaper to a newspaper on the web, like the publishers did the same thing. They wanted to move from books to books on e-readers, but – right. But with DRM, so to, that it's the way to do friction. this. The way to do this is to say, you know what? If we were going to start again today from scratch, yes. knowing everything we know now, with all the technology that's available, what would we actually want? What would we What would we bring with us, or what would we have to go out and find? And it's it, that mentality, like the difference between paring back what you have and putting a blank slate in front of you and saying, what do we need to build? It sounds the same thing, but it ends up making all the difference. And Clay's talked about this in terms of the way to survive disruption. The only way to do it is to go like to, to put a separate business unit well out of reach of the parent and let it go do its thing. Yeah. No, it, that's it, what it, they haven't done. Well, it's the sunk it's the sunk cost. Right. Fallacy. It totally is. Well, so to just to bring it back to the publishers, I mean they they uh, they had the benefit of seeing what happened to music, of seeing what happened to to newspapers. And, and so I, I mean, the problem is you, they're fighting against an inevitable kind of force. And so their response was to, was DRM, right? Uh, they only let their books be available with, with DRM. But the, the problem is that they didn't have the capability to manage the DRM themselves. Uh, and which, so they basically outsourced it to Amazon 
or to iBooks or to whoever it might be. But the problem is you're, they themselves, I think, being so wrapped up into the product, it being wrapped up into the quality of the books, this is what we do, we make great books. They yeah. undervalued the power that comes from distribution. And when they yeah. gave, when they when they committed to DRM because they wanted to keep their, their current model, uh, they basically gave all the power to Amazon. And now Amazon is as any business ought to do is using that power. Yeah, totally. I mean, they handed over the keys to the kingdom and it's probably probably at least partly a function of the fact that they were thinking about the world using the old paradigm, right? Like previously, they'd always had the distribution channels. They might not have owned them, but there's always a degree of competition, right? You'd have different bookstores which people could go in and buy books. Um and that's the difference between the old world and the new world. Like in, in the new world on the internet, it, the markets behave in a much more winner-take-all fashion. And Right. So it, no, it's, that's actually exactly right, right? Because what, what – so this, is, this raises the question of does Amazon have some sort of responsibility here? Like, or is Amazon, is Amazon in the wrong? Um, and if they are, is it – is it because they are the beneficiary of a network effect and so that in and of itself grants some sort of responsibility? That's interesting. I mean, the, the, the direction we're taking this conversation would almost suggest that the way you need to think about antitrust changes. Um, antitrust in the old world is such that um, – antitrust in the old world was such that you had an overwhelming like there's an overwhelming and clear like you're the only you're the only oil company or you're the only um you're the only uh, uh, whatever it is operating system Yeah. yeah exactly whereas in the new world like i mean there are plenty of options in terms of like i could get i could buy a book on the nook or i could buy a book on ibooks or i could obviously buy a book using kindle but the network effect is is it's almost like it's it might be worth considering whether um, antitrust needs to be updated to take account of network effects because the at least at least the way that this article describes it is Amazon's basically I mean they are now far and away the most important bookseller and they're in a position where they're able to put this incredible amount of pressure on the publishers if they don't comply with the deals that they want. Well, I think where it, the, the network effect is really um, creates this issue is when it comes to distribution, right? A- Amazon is not writing the books. They're not reading the books. They're distributing the books. Right. Uh, same thing with uh, Facebook. Facebook's not writing these articles. They're not reading the articles. They're distributing the articles. And again, a, a segue to the third one, like Google is not producing any content. They're they're connecting consumers to content, and it's yeah, it's so interesting. It's it's the the model has shifted. Whereas once it was there wasn't enough there wasn't enough content, so like finding it wasn't so critical. Now there's so much content available and so much content being produced that whoever holds the, I mean, distribution's always been important, but its importance seems to be skyrocketing just because the sheer volume of content if you if you are i mean and this talks to what this speaks to exactly the topic around facebook the the extent of control over how much people what like entirely what people see is almost being determined by those who control the distribution channels and they're these three companies no that that's yeah that's exactly right because before there was 
uh, antitrust was about the problem with a monopoly was that they could control, they could enforce artificial scarcity, right? And so they could drive up prices, they could drive up all sorts of stuff because there wasn't mm. sufficient competition. Uh, now, the the power is not in scarcity; it's in ranking. It's it's, right. it's like the way that it's content- dealing with abundance. It's not in dealing with. It's not in controlling scar- yeah. scarcity. It's the opposite. It's deal. How do we deal with this massive abundance? Yeah, that's yeah. This is really interesting, and, and that definitely, I think. Um, again, I I don't know that. Uh, I, I personally am very hesitant to. The whole antitrust question is really interesting. I, I'm very hesitant about it. If you look at the whole Microsoft thing, right? Like mm. the net effect of the antitrust legislation was to, I mean, Microsoft, because of the whole things that go into why companies are disrupted and and all that sort of stuff, likely would not, likely would be in the same situation they are now without the antitrust mm. stuff. But the reality totally. is, is the main effect was to basically tie their hand behind their back when it came to the next the next degree of, of stuff. Like the antitrust didn't change anything about the operating system market. Like that ship had long since sailed. All it did was make Microsoft much less able to compete in the next wave. And and I I, I don't think so I'm very skeptical of of government involvement when it comes to antitrust in general. On the flip side, the nature of technology is to produce companies with massive power. And again, it's not it's not that it's a monopoly according to the classic description, but it's I don't know, we need a word for a company that has massive power because of the network effect even though there are alternatives, right? There all are alternatives to Google, but their share is such that if you drop in Google's rankings you're screwed. Like there oh. are alternatives to Amazon, but their yeah. share is such that like they can dictate terms and the same thing with Facebook. Yeah, I mean, just to have a little bit of fun, why don't we throw it out to readers if anyone has any good ideas on what to call it, like tweet us or something. But I, I, on some level, I think this is almost more scary to me because um, these guys have positioned themselves. I mean, the previous generation of um, the previous generation of monopolists, I guess, with the exception of media companies, uh, were in a position where they would impact you via price. And that's bad, but it's not it's not it's not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> At least well, it's, not it's, it's relative a, to controlling ideas. It's a which signal is what that people need. No, exactly. Because if people feel it, right? If right. if someone jacks up the price of oil yes, or of exactly. railroad, people like feel it in Noted. their wallet. Right. But when if the if the <laughs> If Google starts or Amazon, I don't want to. I, I don't want to pull anyone out here. But like, if one of these companies starts changing the rankings, you won't even and doing it for and conceivably, I mean, it's possible that they could do it with with ill intent. You wouldn't even know that it's that you're not seeing it. Like, where if if Google starts deprioritizing articles that criticize Google, or, or Facebook does it, or or. Amazon, you know, starts playing around with whether it stops stocks books that criticize Amazon. Like that's actually a rather uncomfortable thought. Right. And even if people like there are people who watch very closely and even if they pick it up, it's not going – it's just going to be like a narrow, very narrow segment of the population that's upset about it, right? Like if you jack up the price yeah. of oil, like there is going to be like everyone is going to be upset. If you change, If you change the way things are ranked – a couple people might notice and raise a ruckus, but it's not going to move the needle, um, you know, from a big picture perspective. 
which is a really, really scary thought. No, it, it is interesting. Like there, and and that's the other thing that why antitrust law is really kind of useless here. And we see this. You know, the the obvious example is is the Apple being successfully sued for antitrust when they when they own five percent of the market. Like because antitrust law in the U.S. is 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 predicated on ensuring cost, consumers have low prices. Um, but that that again, it doesn't that the whole thing with the internet is I mean it's so cliche, but it's true is the opportunity of the internet is you're probably gonna get lower prices, but you might be able to make it up in volume. Um, right. You know, obviously that's been oversold and people like lots of yeah. people have not been successful. But in, as generally speaking, that is true. You can reach way more people. You're not gonna be able to earn as much per person, but in the aggregate, you you know, there's there's a it's a different kind of opportunity. And right. the problem is antitrust law is still predicated on the price aspect and it doesn't at all take into account the reach aspect. Right. And that's yeah, I mean, this is this is the <laughs> this is this is so interesting. This is the the being aware of those dynamic shifts where what is scarce and what is abundant has shifted and making sure that we take account of that in the way I mean, businesses need to take take account of it. Like when those shifts happen, that's when industries fundamentally change. Uh, but at, at the same time, regulators need to be aware of it because, uh, I mean, what we're talking about right now is people controlling or, or not people, companies controlling what it is that we're able to see and what it is that we're not. Well, it's even worse because the reality is, is Amazon has that much more power relative to the publishers now because of the Apple case. Right, like the reason they're negotiating with with Hachette right now is that's part of the judicial order that each of the companies had to renegotiate with Amazon. Hachette just happens to be first on the list. In six mm. months, Amazon's going to negotiate with with I, I think McMillan. I can't remember which one's next, but like, and they and they they're very in their Hachette is much more limited in what they can do because of of that decision. And so the net is uh, by enforcing. Um, I disagree with it. I disagree with the decision, but I'm not going to get into the legal arguments. I'm I'm um, I'm not a lawyer. I did play one in school a while ago, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the problem is is a antitrust regime predicated on the old world economy has basically made the new world economy even less competitive, and it's because everything has been flipped upside down. Instead of scarcity, now the problem is is abundance. Uh, instead of the product being most important is the distribution. And and so I, I absolutely believe whether you think the Apple ebook decision was decided correctly or not, I don't think you can argue the fact that it's made the ebook market less competitive, uh, whether or not that results in higher or lower prices. Um, I, I, it's a fact. Say that for me one more time. Like you it, don't think the decisions made it less so, competitive? So you Apple, don't think it's made it more competitive? No, it's made the market less competitive. It's Got given it. Amazon more power. And the problem is because antitrust law has been fashioned with – antitrust law was fashioned to uh, avoid it, yeah. companies abusing scarcity to make things more expensive. And so Amazon's like, hey, we're not making things more expensive. We're trying to make it cheaper. And right. the problem is that – Making th things cheaper in the internet era is trivial. It, it's and so like you're protecting something that doesn't need protecting. Not anymore, and it, it turns out that it's something else that needs protecting. Right, and instead. you're actually making it worse. 
Yeah, and I, 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 I'm wondering whether you want to take a bet on uh, whether Washington's going to fix that problem anytime soon because I have a suspicion that I know which side of the bet you'd prefer. Yeah, well, to. I mean, we're now we're back to our last week's podcast. Like, yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, but that's that's the thing, right? This is this is the same. It's it's the same problem. This this is like. This is like a, a different version of net neutrality. This is controlling what goes down the pipes. The the pipe owners control which is prioritized, but the distribution, the electronic distribution owners control the the. It's almost like they control the ideas that you get to see in the rankings of them, and that's an that's both of these are. Uh, uh, I mean, the pipes I think get to have an impact on business models. I don't think they actually show you they they don't end up controlling what it is that you're able to see or not they just control how at best how quickly it can reach you right the 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 version of this that the technology companies control i think is uh is much more concerning to me because that they actually they determine what ideas make it to your screen so what like does google um have a responsibility does, does amazon does does facebook i mean i'm gonna come back to the i mean <laughs> yeah people are gonna start to pick up on my idealistic streak here i i i think yes i mean i i think even even more <laughs> in an ideal world it, this this would be the way i think about these kinds of things is companies are out there trying to maximize the profits they make. I mean, I'm, I'm, I probably agree with Friedman and his old 1970s comment about like the responsibility of a corporation is to maximize, um, the responsibility of executives is to maximize a corporation's profit. Now, I would put a couple of caveats on that. One, I would say that's not a short-term responsibility. That's a responsibility that happens over a very long period of time. But there's another responsibility that 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 statement is lacking and that's that's a societal responsibility to make sure that there are clear lines drawn in which executives inside corporations are playing to ensure that that pursuit of profit is societally beneficial so i think the answer to your question is uh, in an ideal world we would um we would there would be there would be this kind of discussion happening on a broad basis that would result in some regulation that would be the equivalent of net neutrality but for these ideas um, as opposed to the prioritization of traffic now notwithstanding that i i kind of hope that these companies would behave responsibly realize that they're in a position of power they're influencing i mean they have the ability to influence the way people are thinking in terms of society, what they value, what news gets reported, that's an incredible amount of power. And you'd hope that they'd behave responsibly. Well, okay, so a couple things. One, I, I think this is what you're driving at. Like, I mean, the, to expect government to, um, and again, like I am I am by no means, I, I'm probably more pro, I'm more pro regulation than, than I was when I was younger, actually. I go in the, what was the Churchill quote? Uh you're you're if you're not a liberal and you're young you have no soul and if you're not a, lib- a conservative when you're old you have no you have no brain um, it's funny i've 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 completely gone the other way i know so have i so have i i was i was i was very much on the other side before um you know it was very much like well this is the economics it seems very obvious but now i like i don't know I've become more aware of like all the other factors in the world right um but that said so i i'm by no means a ardent anti-regulation but realistically 
can government broadly keep up with this? And specifically, no. can the U.S. government, with how dysfunctional it is, keep up with it? I mean, I mean, you already have the answer to that question. Okay, so I... that so that in place, um, you get to the tech companies, and and, and one like they, you know, the, I think they could justifiably say, "Hey, we're not stupid. We're not going to." change the ratings to push things we're giving people what they want and that takes it back to the facebook thing like yeah like, face, i mean that's true of facebook well but, um, google too i mean, I mean like it, google but like not amazon all, right maybe i mean people well i don't know people want low prices people like amazon amazon can justifiably say with a straight face and oh by the way i've learned uh uh, don't get in anti-Amazon arguments with Amazon employees. They're even scarier than Google employees, and that's saying something. Really? Um, Have you, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like it was always the Apple people, of which I, I, I'm like, I used to be a bit of an Apple zealot. I always thought it was the Apple people that you needed to be careful of. Yeah, I, I, probably. Um, but that's probably diluted as Apple's become more popular. But I remember once upon a time, you you pissed off an Apple person, you might end up getting cut. <laughs> Yeah, the Apple gangsters have long been yeah. notorious. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, but Amazon, Amazon can say with 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 a straight face that we are doing what's right for the customer. Yes, in the short term, it sucks that these books are unavailable, but it's in the long term goal of making books cheaper and more accessible to everyone. Mm, I mean, yes, but uh, <laughs> yes, but I really feel like this is a case of. We want to make more money, and happy side effect is that it's cheaper for consumers, and we're getting okay. We're so, getting, so, so they're doing what you, they're, they're doing what Freeman yeah, said. I know. They're making more money. Yep. They're doing yep. good by consumers. Where's the problem here? The problem is that I'm sure that there are important ideas that those publishers, um, the authors that chose that publisher, um, were writing about. But isn't and that they isn't, hadn't, isn't that the they had no problem? idea. Well, is it? I mean, that that's maybe, but I mean, it's also a societal problem if you if you believe in this notion that uh, that people should have free access to ideas and that that's important for a healthy society and for corporations to be determining whether those ideas are getting out there on the basis of whether how how much those ideas make them. I don't know. Well, so, okay, so we're we're back full circle. Like, do mm. so? Do corporations have a social responsibility, specifically the corporations that deal in the distribution of ideas, which all three of these do? do does Google? Well, does Facebook? Google, does Amazon? I feel like I feel like Google signed itself up for one with the do no evil thing. So I, I mean, Google signed itself up. I, I mean, the the question around the others. Gosh, it's this is a tough one, but. I don't know. I, I think it's well. Google also I, also signed up for they get to decide what is evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was the asterisk on the do no evil. I, do no evil asterisks. The tiny little asterisk that was just a few pixels that nobody saw, and there was a disclaimer down the bottom. Yeah. It was, am I gonna am I gonna get hate mail for that? No, I it's it's, it's it's true. I I think I I I think you excluding them is doesn't make sense. The reality is Oh, I'm not I'm not excluding them. I'm saying that there's almost there's by them putting by them putting a credo like that in play, then they up the level of responsibility that they have. Now your your retort as as to well, yeah, but they get to decide what's evil or not. That's entirely fair, but there's also 
there's a social contract that's established with with um, th- their users, sure, their but customers. Who, who, who enforces that yeah. social contract? The well, reality I is, mean, the reality yeah. is, 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 is you can use another search engine. They all they, they suck relative to Google, especially if you want to mm. do anything in depth. And part mm. of it is, it's not just that Google has better algorithms. It's that the they have more users. Like the more the more yeah. people search on Google, it, it, the better the yeah. search becomes. Yeah, it's it becomes a virtuous circle. They make more money. They can invest in better technology, and then it just keeps on going and keeps on going. Well, it's, it's a I, math thing. Like the more inputs yeah. to the learning machine that is Google, the right. better the output, and the and and the better the output, the more inputs they'll get. Yeah, I I I, I hear you. I'm certainly not arguing. I, I this is interesting. The the way in which this winner takes all effect is becoming increasingly prevalent. I, and if you believe that, if you, be, I mean, gosh, I, I do hope regulators get their act together because in an ideal world, that's how this kind of thing is sorted. Like society allows corporations to exist, not just for the sake of it, but because corporations net net benefit society and therefore regulators have a responsibility to make sure that corporations behave in a way that benefits society. But but gridlock, et cetera, et cetera. We talked about it last week. You know, I don't know. Like g- g- people who work at Google are people who live on the same planet that the rest of us live on. And yeah, I know that you can, you, you probably make a bit more money doing this or doing that. But gosh, I mean, yes, there's a responsibility. There's got to be. There's, I mean, there's, there's so much power that they're in a position of so much power. And with that, yeah, inherently there must come some responsibility, okay, right? Well, I'd, so I hope so. Okay, so let's say they accept the responsibility, but then we get to this the, the, the Mike Mike Hudak at Facebook, who, in my opinion, is just completely un was it unself aware, not self aware, like <laughs> to write that without without even considering. And you go in the comments, like he he doesn't he still doesn't seem to really get the role that Facebook may or may not play in this, right? It, like. Where, where we we criticize all these all these other companies for not being self aware and not looking at their situation critically and doing the right thing, like I mean Facebook and Amazon and Google all want us to believe that they're all good hearted people who are changing the world and want to do the right thing. Like that sort of attitude when you're convinced of your own righteousness works directly against being self aware. I mean, well. <laughs> I'd say welcome to Silicon Valley. I mean, well, welcome to welcome to humanity, right? Yeah, but I don't know. There's something about this bubble that makes it worse sometimes, and it's it's kind of weird because there's so much idealism mixed with such a lack of self awareness, you know, Uh, and it's it's frustrating sometimes. I tell you, like it it was what a few months ago, all the stuff about homelessness blew up, and I'm like, really, people? Some of the people doing these. I, I'm I'm about to take us way off topic. I should probably stop. No, go ahead. I should. By all means, <laughs> you're like step up on the soapbox, James. Like there are so many people who have been so lucky out here, and to see, to to that, I just I can't. It's so they've been so lucky, and there to have a response such that when you walk past someone who's been less fortunate than yourself. The, the response, like some entrepreneur wrote about how 
all the homeless people should be shipped off to somewhere where he doesn't have to deal with them. And to, to be in such a position of good fortune and to have had as many opportunities, and I'm not disputing the fact he worked hard because it's not just good luck. There's always hard work involved. But to have had so many opportunities and to the, the natural response to, to seeing someone who has been less fortunate than you is like, get this person out of my face. They don't deserve to be here. Like, I don't know. It's, it's this weird mix of like this high-minded idealism with this complete lack of self-awareness when, it, when, when things like that are put in their face. And I, I don't know. I think that what that Facebook guy wrote about is, is is just another it's another example of that in a very different arena well i mean the, the, the just to be devil's advocate i mean I, and again i'm not endorsing uh the, the homeless comment but to be devil's advocate it's that sort of lack of lack of awareness that is also like that people glorify as being kind of the entrepreneur mindset, right? You know, you see all these quotes on Twitter like, oh, people who really change the world do the impossible. If we actually knew how hard it was, wouldn't have done it, blah, 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 blah. Like that, it's not just that that attitude is present. It's that that attitude is glorified. Yeah, I, and, I, and and to, I, and to good effect, to societal right. positive effect, right? People do make companies that ought not be possible. Yes, and I mean, that's, I, and that is commendable to create something out of nothing is 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 just a phenomenal thing and i and the 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 way in which that happens out here is part of what makes this place so special but to to then turn around and apply that attitude in in, in a different field whether it's I, like the homeless stuff or the what 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 that Facebook guy said. I don't know. Like there, there's a time and a place, right? You know? Yeah. I mean, it, this is kind of an uns, unsatisfactory topic because I think the reality is in, in all these, when it comes to Google, we didn't actually talk much in the Google MetaFilter thing, but like you can make an argument that like, well, MetaFilter, it's their problem. They, they built up their business on Google and if Google took it away, why is that Google's problem? You know, yeah, well, I don't know. Again, it's like I've been. I'm a. I'm a huge lover of um the the restaurant review site Yelp, and Google decides that it's going to get into that business. And now, when I type in when I'm looking for a restaurant in Google, it used to be that the Yelp results would come up the top, and now they're deprioritized, and that actually agitates me. And it agitates me that you can build something out of nothing, and that that someone. Uh, I mean, this is this is the same reason why Netflix gets pissed when Verizon decides, well, you know what, or, or Comcast or whoever decides to deprioritize the traffic, right? It's the same version of that problem. And on some level, I think, I don't know, I think it's wrong. I mean, I'm sure that there are people who take a more libertarian point of, point of view and they say, well, you know what, these companies should be able to do what they want. But to me, it just feels wrong. I mean, but that's no. I'm I'm not going to say that Google did that. What happened to MetaFilter intentionally? There could have been a real like. I mean, again, this is part of the no transparency, and I understand there are reasons why there are no transparency. I'm not saying Google intentionally did what it did to kill MetaFilter, but you know, there's yeah. No, I mean, I think the broad takeaway though is like you can you. I think the reason why we haven't come to any firm conclusions is that in all these cases, Amazon, the publishers, like you can come up with an argument with an argument that blames either side. Uh, mm. Same thing with Facebook and, and and newspapers, right? The newspapers we talked about are slow to adjust, but so but you could also blame Facebook for not being aware of their their impact. 
and, and same thing with, with Google and Metafilter. And I think the, the broader, um, I think we did get to the broader point. I think it's really interesting is that just the nature of power and competition, like the nature of the world has changed. We're, we're, we've gone from a world, we've moved into a world of abundance and, a lot of us are still thinking in the previous paradigm. No, exactly. Where it I think it's not like that. Yeah, no, I think all the all the little guys here, their fault is is being stuck in the old world paradigm. Like they haven't adjusted their businesses to deal with the new world, whether it's justified right. or not. So that that and so the pro and then on the big guy side, uh, they were built in the new world. They are building the new world. So yeah. they're from a business perspective, they're all totally justified. And on them, it's much more of kind of a societal impact sort of criticism. Um, and then you, I think you layer on top of that just uh, government, is, uh, the U.S. government in particular is just so behind on this. Mm. Um, you know, I, obviously the European government is much more active, uh, much more critical of Google yeah. in particular. Uh, and yeah, it, it's it, it's a little... So the one thing, yeah, I mean, it is, there is a, there is a frustration in this topic, but I, I think it's important to talk about it. The one thing I would say, and this is kind of relating to what we talked about last week, is, and that is what's good, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So if, if the tech industry is making the argument around net neutrality, some equivalent version of that, they, they, whatever they're advocating for, they should be willing to accept some equivalent version of that when it comes to not just not just traffic and which traffic gets prioritized, but I, I think some version of that they need to accept around ideas and making sure that ideas don't get prioritized or deprioritized based on what it is that's in their best interests. Yeah, that, no, that's, I, it, it's interesting because the problem is is there for the net neutrality you can make like the it, it, again that yes. that is an old school monopoly, right? Mm-hmm. Where there, most people only have one realistic option for for high speed broadband. Like and so that that's actually very understandable from a regulation economic perspective. Yeah, I think what what Google and all these people would say is, oh, you ought not regulate us. Look, you can go you can go to Bing, you can go to DuckDuckGo. You, you know, you can. Yeah, there's alternatives, and I think this is where like as 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 society and as an industry and as our government needs to really, it's like. <laughs> needs to change their fundamental understanding of like economics in the internet age, like, which is a pretty big undertaking. Like we're, uh-huh. we are, it's the same problem all the publishers have is they don't understand the world has changed. And that problem is just as much an issue for, if you look at it, you see all these people on the internet writing commentary about the Amazon thing. And very, very few of them are, are really getting at the economic issues at stake. Um, they're mostly just kind of looking at it from an old world monopoly standpoint. And Amazon is very justifiably, justifiably saying, hey, we don't have a monopoly on books. Yeah. And yes. They, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, a neat sleight of hand when you begin to understand the world has changed. They're just they're, yeah, they're, no, applying, exactly. they're applying 18th century standards to the 21st century. And it's and you know what? It It seems pretty convincing on face value because most of us. I mean, even I, just in this conversation, even I'm starting to change. I mean, I think I think a lot of people who would be listening to this would have had the inklings of of what it is that we're talking about. But even even just this discussion is starting to crystallize it for me, and it's making me realize that using that argument is just. I mean, it's it's fallacious. No, it, it's ve- it's it's very convenient. Like yeah, it's they very they convenient can perfectly indeed. follow the law, 
and gain total power all at the same time. <laughs> you know what? I think that's a good place to And not, not, not only can they do that, but the U.S. government will sue their competitor on their behalf. <laughs> <laughs> that's an even better place to stop.